Football is a game of aesthetics. It's all about what does it look like? Football is a game of tradition. The man who wins the penalty can't take it. <laughs> Football is a game of passion. Oh, bollocks, Villa have scored. And that is why we love it. Fuck me, why is this stupid game back? I think that was a real low point for me in my life. It's time to turn the volume down. Goals scored by new signings are the only ones that count. Penalties don't count. And Mamoru Saku having an absolute howler. That doesn't count either. The worst 90 minutes of football in Premier League history. He's oh, a fraud. Sedan's a fraud. Everyone's favourite statistical fraud. Brendan Rodgers. All about the aesthetics, that's what Absolutely. I like to see. That is just a bit of stat padding. Individual sport masquerading as a team game. Look at his Instagram, he's the ultimate beat of me. BBC Sport decided to advertise their TikTok account. Yuck. Yuck. <laughs> it just doesn't get any better than that. Fuck. I hate this game. Why is this happening to me? <sighs> Pretend you don't care. Pretend you don't care. Pretend you don't care. Hello and welcome down to the floodlights. My name's Darren Scott. I'm joined with Billy Hutchison, Christopher Ringham, boys. Boys, 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 boys. Hey, it's a great week of football, hasn't it been? Darren, Billy, I don't like how happy you are. No, oh, hey, I'm, I'm, football's back. I'm fucking numb. <laughs> Done with this game. Football's back. <laughs> FA Cup's back. Premier League's back. Everything's great. This is a nightmare. And see, the, like the FA, in all seriousness, the the FA Cup point actually makes it worse. I wish we'd recorded this like straight after Liverpool Burnley because right. I was ready to go at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, like passionate, emotional, yep. raw. Yep. It was everything that would have been great content. And then naturally, because I've spent a whole weekend watching FA Cup, any passion that was in me has now just been drained <laughs> out. Quite <laughs> up. <laughs> well, so, that, well, well, Darren. That, you know what? That's a great place to start. So let's discuss the sixty-eight game, uh, three-year and a bit year unbeaten run at Anfield that was ended by Burnley. And, and Ashley, Ashley Barnes, Barnes of yeah, all Ashley people. Oh, fucking uh, Burnley. <laughs> Burnley. Um, yeah, Ashley. it's a tough place to start. Um, Is there's a lot of contrasting emotions, a lot of different points that come into my head. I think, you know, if we're being serious, you know, if, I, we were, serious. if we No, no, but if we were speaking, <laughs> if we were speaking um, sort of somewhat objectively, we would be right. saying things along the lines of, Liverpool were just a bit mugged off in that game. Actually played pretty well. I've seen them play a lot worse in recent weeks and get results. Burnley weren't very good. Uh, Burnley stole three points from that game. That would be the conversations we would be having. But unfortunately, that's not how football works. Football's an emotional game. Deep, visceral emotions. I've never felt the way I felt when Burnley beat Liverpool (laughs) 1-0. I mean, just... The way football's weird and that it makes people's brains just go to sort of worst case scenario, partly because I think a lot of other people pile on people like yourself, Christopher, had a wonderful week. If you're into Liverpool losing, if well, you're anti-big team, if you like those genres of things, it was a good week for that genre. It was, um, it was. So it was. Uh, first of all, I should say as well, there may be a few people uh, tuning into this podcast for the first time this week. And I say welcome uh, to those people. I understand while you're here, the internet did go Wild. It was a good day for the anti-Liverpool genre. Um, <laughs> yeah, but my brain, my brain just went to the sort of worst case scenario. I didn't care about whether players were good, whether players were bad. It was very much this is the end of the world. Um, everything that has been built is now coming down. There are a million problems. It can't be fixed. Every player in the team stinks. Every one of them. 
Um, if you look at sort of, I'm thinking, the sort of parabolic trajectory of this Liverpool team, Klopp comes in when it was a real low point for the club. Things improved quickly. That curve started to go up. They then win the Champions League. They then mm-hmm. push on in the Premier League. Curve keeps going up. Then we mm-hmm. come to the peak of that curve for the Premier League win last year. And now it's the steep decline. There's no fixing it. It won't ever get any better. It's now going to decline. Klopp's going to leave. All the good players will be gone in two years and Liverpool will be back to the Barini, Balotelli, Lambert days all over again. Um, my brain went to ideas of we're now entering the era of Manchester dominance again. We will never beat United. We will never beat City again. It's all cyclical. It's all repeating patterns over and over. Nothing ever changes. We'll never be happy. <laughs> That's where my brain went. I like how you also didn't even factor in there that like if this keeps going down the way it is, Stephen Gerrard won't even want to be manager in two years because <laughs> he'll be enjoying the success that he's having in Scotland so much. <laughs> It's the end of the club. We've seen, uh, you know, there was a lot of lasts in my head. Um, it right. was obviously the end of, of the Anfield unbeaten record. It was the end of Love the that. good days for Liverpool. It was the end. It was the death of Devok under the lights when he missed that one-on-one hitting the post. <laughs> Usually that's his scene. Loves it. You know, floodlights coming down. Everything yeah, this podcast's yeah. made about. Yeah. It goes through one-on-one, hits the bar. Death of Devok under the lights. <laughs> And then also a disaster class from the girl from Little Mix's husband, because that's what he has to be described as now. <laughs> Alex Oxley and Chamberlain. Just real low points. Everybody at the club stinks. Everyone. Oh, I, I would love the same like kind of platform for the likes of Sunas, Carragher. Remember the full crowd they had at the end of last season, all sitting with a champagne on Sky Sports? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Ian Rush, I, yeah. I, I want, I want them all just to give me the same reaction Darren's just given me. Well, that's what that's what I'm saying. Shrink it in. Is that the, the, the glory, you know, that's the way everyone's brains work. We're terrified of going back to the way things were and that's the way things are going. I don't know if you guys have noticed Sky have been promoting on, on Sky documentaries, I think, on the 31st of oh, January. Yes. There is a, a Liverpool, a documentary sort of um, mm-hmm. about Liverpool's 30-year wait for the title and it's called End of the Storm. I think they need to rename that documentary to The Eye of the Hurricane because it was a brief... <laughs> Brief window of very calm, very good things that made us feel comfy and safe and happy. And now we're back to being in the hurricane. We're getting battered by winds. We're never going to recover from this. Everything is over. Now, Bailey, I, we just have to remind ourselves here that probably less than a month ago, um, <laughs> Darren and every other Liverpool fan were complaining about being in too many competitions because they're so good. Too many games and sat- early early kickoffs. Oh, I the kind of triangle of Tarkowski, me, and Pope is one of the best in the Premier League, regardless of the rest of Burnley and the rest of their incredible lack of attacking prowess. Um, Tarkowski said that. Oh, quality up top. Yes, uh, Chris Wood has had a lot of shots without a goal. Um, yeah, Pope Tarkowski and me uh, are solid at the back, um, and that's why they're no longer in a well, they're in a relegation battle, I guess. But you know, not the same as the start of the season. Listen, it's a, it's a looks and feels thing. That's ultimately what it comes down to. Liverpool it- have played without the front three before and succeeded. 
I could go back to the Barcelona game, the famous Barcelona game uh, at Anfield. There was no Firmino, no Salah that night. It was Devok, it was Alpine Messi, and it worked completely fine because of the feel. There was a feel around the club that this club was invincible. This team were just going to win everything. That feel is now gone because of Sean Dyche, because of Mike Dean, because of Burnley. That feeling is now gone. It's never coming back. And rattled Jurgen's back as well. <laughs> rattled Jurgen's uh, back. Everyone's rattled. Everyone's well, rattled. Well, Jurgen's Jür- 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 always rattled. You know, I mean, uh, the Daesh club, whatever was going on at half time. I mean, that was. I mean, that was part of how they won. Like, let's be honest. Like, you know, but, it was all part of the plan. Yeah, it's funny. It's just that whole. It's those football cliches of it just goes back to um, who believes they'll win, who wants it more. That's kind of what it goes back to, and at the moment, because the belief side of the Liverpool team, every other team wants it more, and that's um, fair. It's a sad, sad day for for Liverpool Football Club. But going out today, uh, again, if you were to look at these games objectively, Liverpool mm-hmm. played pretty well against Nick Pope. Unbelievable game. Uh, Just what kept a, what a getting keeper. his arms to things. What a keeper! You know, if you go back there, Liverpool have played games in the last couple of weeks where they've. Not scored, but they've not created anything. They actually peppered the Burnley goal. It was just this, they, you know, they just had 11 guys camped in the box. Even today against Manchester United, created a few good chances, but are just there. And we talked about it before, about how whenever teams in the Premier League, or I know today was FA Cup, but it was against a Premier League team, get this sniff that you're there mm. to be had, that's you. You're done. Man City, that's what happened to them last year because Laporte was injured. Teams thought this lot are gettable. And now this Liverpool team is so gettable. I mean, the f- the funny thing is, again, if you look at this, you know, more objectively, if you look at Trent's like assists from last year or the, the last couple mm. of years, mm. you know, how many of those are coming from corners where he's obviously just putting into the box and Virgil's getting his head yeah. on them. You know, he's lost, Liverpool in general as a team have lost a massive attacking threat from set pieces the last two years in the league. They've been one of the best teams from from set pieces and it's because of the threat that mainly Van Dijk brings and then obviously he attracts attention from defenders which can free up other people. So him being away actually I think has impacted Trent's stats. Right, uh, well but, here, yeah, here's in- the answer. Uh, sign a centre-back. Um, <laughs> we're in the transfer window. Chris, you're preaching to the choir. it's like you know again based on the week I've had you know I'm emotional I'm desperate I saw Socrates was released by Arsenal I was like get him in I don't even care if he's good I just want just give Jürgen bodies Mesut Ozil's gone to Turkey get him in (laughs) wow well I think we've stayed down you low here Liverpool need bodies you need Stephen Colker back remember Stephen Colker came in a few years ago listen get a good striker if he's a goal in him get him in get him in yeah where is he Dundee or something? Get him in. My main takeaway from today actually was how raging do you reckon that lot at Sky Sports are after the build-up they put me through last week for a nil-nil and then today for free on the BBC we get a goal fest. (laughs) (laughs) The cynical part of me says that comes from pressure being off because it's FA Cup and the outcome's irrelevant. Oh, settle down. No, I also think it serves settle Sky down. right for having a camera on Neville, Carragher and Tyler for 90 minutes. Serve them right, giving them 3 and nil nil. Everything that's been sucked from Liverpool in the last mm-hmm. week uh, is basically just going straight into Manchester United, straight into Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. It's a Go wonderful ahead. time for that genre. No, not 
Dan, fuck you. He's looking so defeated here. This is great. We talked about identity crisis on the show before. I don't know who I am anymore. Who's got the challenge? What do you What do you mean we didn't win? Yeah, exactly. He's had two years <laughs> of complete success. What is know? this? I don't yes. know this feeling. Yeah. Um, no, this is this let's is take it back to two thousand nine. Yeah, yeah, this is amazing. amazing. Yeah, and that's yeah. the thing because you know it was a horrible time to be an adolescent. Was growing up in sort of that, that dark, that dark Liverpool era. That was a horrible time to be a young, insecure uh, teenager. And I just fear all of those sort of deep scars on my mental tissue are, are just coming back again. It's like flashbacks. It's Charlie Adam and Jay Spearing are coming. Oh, yeah. At, at what point does Jurgen bring out the Brendan envelope at the start of next season to say, "Right, I've written one person's name in this envelope. Don't let it be you." <laughs> be a bloody, be a bloody big envelope the way this Liverpool team are looking. <laughs> Glorious. There's about twenty-two of them letting me down right now. Right. Uh, so from one, uh, from one team that is. Um, not fulfilling their potential to another. Um, it was Leicester to Chelsea nil earlier in the week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so how how long does it take for you to to accept that Leicester are in the title race? Well, before we go into that conversation, right, uh, Bailey, how are you? How has this game made you feel? How is football making your uh, attitude and happiness change at the moment? Well, thankfully, uh, according to the co-commentator on BBC today during the FA Cup game, uh, Chelsea got three points for winning an FA Cup match. Now, I won't slag off this particular commentator because when you do, because when you do, your club gets cursed. <laughs> Ask Leeds United, who haven't won a game since they slagged off this commentator, and I don't want to fall into that. Uh, but I've, I, I was similar to you on. Tuesday night, it was, I was tough, I was down, you, you saw my messages in the group chat, I, I was fed up with certain individuals, I've taken it upon myself to try and sort out the form of Kai Havertz, I, I right. think this this is a, a young man, 21 years old, he's, he's signed for a big amount, you know, but whenever you're 21 years old and you're trying to build your brand, you only really care about one thing, and that's your Instagram followers. <laughs> So I have decided to take it upon myself and unfollow Kai Havertz on Instagram until his <laughs> form returns because I'm sick of seeing both him be muck on the pitch and be seeing photos of his dumb dog. So whenever he, retu- whenever he returns the form, I will start looking at photos of his dog again. I think it's a great strategy. Really hit people where it hurts nowadays. Absolutely. Absolutely. Drop the followers, drop the likes. I'm with Cause, you. Because you know for a fact he'll notice it. He'll lose it. And he'll have to win me back as a Chelsea fan. But mm. yeah, n- not not great Tuesday night. And of course, wasn't great when I mentioned on last week's pod about Leicester's two outstanding players, Ndidi and Madison, and both scored. I think that was their first goal from a corner this season. Really? Well, he didn't mean it. He completely scuffed it. <laughs> so he did. Yeah, it didn't that wasn't good. a nice finish at didn't all. Didn't look good. I thought, yeah. Um, um, and Bailey, I'm, well, not that confused, but I'm a bit confused about um, Fikayo Tomori has just left to go and win Serie A. Political. Um, so it is Rudiger stay. I'm not happy about it, Chris. I'll be honest. I, complete political move. What do you mean political? To keep the German at the club whilst his mates, Werner and Havertz, are struggling. Oh, that Frank can't is, be why. That can't Frank be why. Frank, that's the only reason I can work out yeah. because. 
Tony Rüdiger is an absolute liability. It's not just about how you play on the pitch, it's your social hierarchy, it's where you rank within the organisation and clearly we found out that Tamori had no social stock in Chelsea Football Club. Yeah, because if if you look at it, if, and I think it's one of those social parts of the game where those two players are struggling, if I come to a new country in the middle of a pandemic, it might be tough for them to integrate. You're not going to take away the player that brought them there. Whereas Frank's probably looking at Tamari going, oh, well, he's an academy boy, I can just get rid of him with 50 others lying about here. We're fine. It's a weird one as well, because um, I think I was telling you, Billy, about this before. Sky Italia um, were doing the coverage of this transfer. Sky Italia were saying that he's not even going to get into the AC Milan team. Oh, re- oh so, are they not like they've got two centre-backs? Yeah, so apparently it was a depth thing. They just needed to bring him in. So you would assume from his perspective that he's looking to go away and get six months football in preparation for the Euros. But he, if what they're saying is correct, he's moving from one bench to another. That's hilarious. I didn't realise that. You know, you mentioned Leicester, Christopher, and you mm-hmm. know, them being in a title race. Um, good little team at the moment. Just, just a reminder of the, 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 so the table right now, um, of matches won, uh, they are joint with Man United for winning the most matches of any club in the Premier League. And we are now halfway through the season. Can I interject just um, on a mm-hmm. similar but unrelated note? Liverpool have won one more game than Arsenal. Carry on. <laughs> um. Right, so you're muck. Is that is that is that, is that the conclusion? Right, okay. correct. Worst, um, worst team in the world. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, Leicester, Leicester are excellent. Good little team. Excellent. Good little team. They've got everything. Um, Vardy uh, out at the moment, isn't he? Um, yeah, Vardy's had surgery on a hernia. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I think the most impressive part is the fact that people like Soyuncu have been injured pretty much the whole season. Castagna was injured for a lot of this season, and. You know, people like Mark Albrighton. You know, Mark, Mark, get him on the plane. Um, you know, like there's like they're just playing their full potential. And um, and uh, yeah, Wesley Fofana again. Wesley Fofana, he is going to be the best centre back in the world. Wesley Fofana, wow. in like ten years' time or something. I, I I heard something interesting about Mark Albrighton. Um, during the the Chelsea game, they were talking about how every time a new manager comes in, he tends to sit on the bench. For the mm. first sort of couple of months, yes, until they realise because nobody really knows. Like when you think of Mark Albrighton, like what do you think of? He's not overly pacey. He's not overly strong. Like he's kind of a jack of all trades, master mm. of none. Um, and then eventually works his way into the team when he has like all of those sort of uh, intangible things, or however you want to you want to say that that get him back into the side. And it Absolutely. seems to be the same thing now because he's getting an extended run on the team. But I still couldn't tell you what the guy does. <laughs> Nah, I can't hack this, Leicester. So this was Brendan's first win over Chelsea in his career. That's what, that's was what it? hurt me most. Was it? Yeah, because the guy's a big fraud. I mean, man for man. I'm looking at it now, right? Big fraud. I'm looking at it man for man. I mean, Chilwell was at Leicester last season. Man well, for man. It's Chilwell like... was shocking because they all they obviously all know his qualities. And every time he got the ball, they had two men run at him. And Ben panicked every single time. Yeah, it is, it is quite funny when people, these people keep leaving Leicester to go to greater and better things, forgetting that they won the Premier League in 2016 and then are ending up worse than 
the Art Lester. It's, it's just quite fun. Like who? Well, to be like fair. Like Harry Maguire, like Judge Hill. I think Ian Wiggins. I could go with Kante. No, I'm joking. Include Kante won a Premier League. <laughs> I, well, you know, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. You but at the mean. same time, when they've left Leicester to go on to bigger teams... It's also likely. It wasn't matter if if Leicester's still going to win the league anyway. It wasn't matter. It matters because I (gasps) imagine they've all gone on to significantly higher wages. Leicester are not a poor club. No, but they're not. Harry Maguire will have made significantly more at Manchester United than he has at Leicester. Yeah, it's Man United. You don't say that. I would imagine it's the exact same with Ben Chilwell. So that factors into it as well. That's why players want to go to these clubs, even if some of the quote unquote smaller clubs are. Uh, are performing well they'll want to go to get their their sort of worth as well that's great so (laughs) so basically we're saying what we're saying is Chelsea aren't making top four Liverpool are it's going to be tough to get into the top four probably and might uh, never win a game uh, yeah of course yeah and (laughs) then that means that it's either going to be United City Leicester Spurs uh, Everton West Ham Villa are our contenders is that what we're saying for top four um, I'm happy with that, yeah. Okay, great. I, I mean, think on current form, it's Villa. I mean, something we should... Yeah, so yeah, Villa are flying. Something <laughs> we should talk about just before we leave Chelsea. Um, a lot of conversations in the media and a lot of ge- agenda stuff about Frank getting the sack. So we interrupt the podcast with some news. Uh, since time of original recording, uh, news has broken that Chelsea have sacked Frank Lampard as manager and are set to appoint Thomas Tuchel later this week. Bailey, we'll start with you. What's the thoughts here? It's honestly a tough day. Like this is this is as low a day as I can remember. This like I'm thinking back to second time of Mourinho going. I've 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 had all day to kind of look on it and I've been alright and then uh, Frank released this statement tonight and honestly as a Chelsea fan it's I'm an emotional wreck here what did he say in the statement let me just get it up again because there's one particular line where he says firstly I'd like to thank all the fans for the incredible support that I've received over the last 18 months I hope they know what it means to me when I took on this role I understood the challenges that lay ahead in a difficult time at the football club I'm proud of the achievements that we made and I'm proud of the academy players that have made their step in the first team and performed so well. They're the future of the club and then goes on to thank Abramovich and wishing the team all the best for the future. It is, yeah, it's not a fun day. Mm. Chris, are you surprised by this? Uh, I'm not surprised by Abramovich's cutthroatness. Um, I think it's a bit harsh, to be honest. Um, I mean, I don't... I mean, I don't personally know kind of what direction they were going in in general under Lampard, but I do think it was, I didn't really think it was worthy of, of a sacking halfway through the season because, I mean, as was said, you'll hear on the podcast, I'm not, I'm not really sure what, well, I personally don't really know. Well, they're saying Thomas Tuchel's going to change the German players, but I mean, I don't know. I, yeah, I'm a bit I mean, surprised. It- it's a weird one. Um, obviously, for me, you know, regardless of whether we think the decision's right or wrong, for me, just as a, a point before that, is that if Abramovich is going to pull this shit in future, uh, could he at least do it before we hit the record button? Well, indeed. Because um, we did well, do indeed. a five-minute bit in, in the podcast that we will now have to cut out, where Bailey and I talked about how we didn't think there was any way Frank Lampard would get sacked, and that now <laughs> can't be used. Um, so it was, but um, I mean, in general, Bailey, we'll start with you. Like, obviously, I'm assuming you're thinking completely the wrong call yeah I, I do I want to just put it out there like 
we talk a lot on this about how football makes you feel at times and I think that's important most to speak about that with Frank because there has there's been some bad results in there and sometimes you can look at it and go wasn't experienced enough but I've been looking today kind of back on like big games and games where I was like as a fan going this is I'm like this is amazing I love this I'm thinking back to like 5-2 against Wolves Abraham Mount Tamori scoring beating Spurs away beating Arsenal away Everton 4-0 at home Ajax 4-0 in the Champions League for those games and the way Chelsea won those games was just a fantastic feeling and whoever the next manager that comes in whoever he is it's too Cal I'm sorry, but it's just not going to feel the same way. It's not going to be the same high as it was in those. It's yeah, it's not going to be right for a long time, this, I don't think. Wrong mm. call. Real breakup stuff. It's the sort of vibe mm. that it has. Honestly, today, it, it honestly, in my head, it has felt like a mix between a breakup and a death in the family. It is being like, this is rough. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of thought, Obviously, the results in the last month or so haven't been great, but it's a weird season with COVID and stuff. And, and you know, his first year he had the transfer ban, did really well, I thought, to get Chelsea into the Champions League and, you know, spent big money in the summer overhauling the squad. And, and it just kind of feels like he's not been given uh, enough time to, to really sort of embed those new players into the team. I know it's been seven months, but, you know, it's a very similar situation. You look at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, there were calls... Uh, for him to be sacked a while back, um, and uh, so. they stuck with him, and, and obviously look where they are now. Yeah, rightly so. But you look where they are now after after sticking with him. You know, football can literally change in a few weeks, and so um, yeah, it definitely feels like a a little bit of a harsh one. And uh, obviously, uh, T's and P's thoughts and prayers are with you, Bailey, at this very difficult time. I'm sure we'll have more on this sort of story as it develops, but um, for now, we'll we'll be back to the regularly scheduled podcast. <laughs> and uh, and there's there's a lot of talk at the minute as well about um about Christian Eriksen coming back to one of these title chasing teams. Have you just kept up with what has gone on with that? Why on earth is he being sold? Because he's in a, a Conte team who it's all about like structure and defense, I think, and he's a bit of a luxury player, so he hasn't quite fit into so why, that. I why don't did think. The, why did the sign? Well, I don't know. You know, after all that nonsense with Spurs, like. Oh yeah, we seen in the documentary. Yeah, he was yeah. desperate to leave, but yeah, he's yeah. not gonna he's not gonna run in at Inter. But uh, you wouldn't take him now after what you've seen of him at Inter. Oh, absolutely not. Could get in the Liverpool team. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I suppose you know we've talked about uh, the more the more toxic negative things that have happened to, uh, and the impact that's had on on Bailey and myself. But things are going quite nicely for West Ham, Christopher. Oh well, you know I'm not going to big us up anymore because I don't need to because I know how good we are, and everyone else knows how good we are. So there's no need for me to say anything other than just, we're two points off the Champions League. Uh, great day against Doncaster yesterday. Um, that was probably the most enjoyable watch of West Ham ever, uh, after we scored for <laughs> one minute. I was like, yeah, this is, this is, this is what we like, yeah. Um, and, you know, we're just quietly going to... Our, our, the worst thing that could happen to us is for people to notice how well we're doing. That, that, <laughs> that, that would be the biggest issue because then that's when issues start to arise. But our, you know, David... Again, still yet to hear really any praise from anyone about David Moyes because it's David Moyes. Um, and and yet things are, things are looking great. I mean, I still think Villa are better than us, uh, but we're doing, we're doing great. 
For you to say that the most enjoyable you've ever found watching West Ham was an FA Cup fourth round against Doncaster. What no, a okay, okay, no, okay, no, no, no. The, 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 it's top. Th- it's third. No, it's not. It's not. The, the, the best was beating Man United at up, last game Upton Park, Winston Reid, um, and then <laughs> beating Blackpool in the playoff final. Um, but what's that? It's a thing you'll never win. Um, <laughs> well, maybe we'll eventually. Um, a best for it, yeah. <laughs> Next year, well, yeah, never win anything um, again. Yeah. So, 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 yeah. And Tony back. Um, uh, things are things are looking sweet for the old hammers. Yeah. The, uh, d- is there? This is a gen. This is, <laughs> yeah, that's horrible. This, this <laughs> isn't a good sign of Chris, like at all. <laughs> this is a this is a genuine question. Is there a fear amongst West Ham fans? This is all going quite smoothly, and that your owners will find a way to mess this up. Oh, ab- oh, absolutely. I mean, there's incredible skepticism about that twenty four seven. I mean, everyone will freely admit that. Things like Kufal being five million and being the best right back in the league, you know, things like that. You know, the board didn't plan for that. You know, that was that was just a, another lucky kind of roll the dice, cheap signing from the board. Um, so no, I, I, yeah, like I, I, I just want to, I just want to keep things quiet. I just want us to keep going. Nobody to talk about us. And then by the end of the season, one game to go will be it'll be like three three way for fourth place, and we'll get it at the last minute, and we'll be in the Champions League. And but- David Moyes will forever go down as a great manager well you're doing a great job at keeping it quiet yeah th- this is what i'm thinking i'm absolutely <laughs> loving chris's five minutes here on west hamlet's i want to keep it quiet so no one notices but yeah we're doing fantastic yeah we're best in the world forget the podcast i've got chris muted on whatsapp um <laughs> <laughs> i'm i probably win the fa cup as well but yeah we'll see what happens oh, That's oh, manchester That's united in the next round chris I hope you do. Listen, Harry Maguire has is Antonio is going to destroy Harry Maguire. I mean, let's be honest. Um, Man, another clean sheet. Back up. Um, <laughs> you talked about it um, a little bit there, Chris. Do you want to have a very brief discussion about sort of what the top four picture title yes. race and then down the bottom what that currently looks like? So, for context, at the moment, Manchester United are top of the league with forty points. Uh, Man City have thirty eight, but a game in hand. Then you have Leicester at thirty eight, Liverpool uh, at thirty four, Tottenham thirty three, Everton thirty two. West Ham 32. Jesus, Chelsea are rightly down this. Um, <laughs> Aston Villa 29, Chelsea 29, and Southampton 29. That's the, the top half of the table. Um, wh- yeah. Where do you see, obviously, you know, you can base it on form or whether you think teams will turn it around. Where do you see this, this um, kind of changing over the next few weeks and months? In my opinion, City, Leicester, and probably United are certs for top four. And then it comes down to how the form of Spurs, Liverpool, Villa, Everton, West Ham, and maybe Chelsea. Um, so I think top three as it stands now, United, City, Leicester, are search, and then it's up for grabs after that. Well, this is the thing. So looking at it, Manchester City are by a mile the best team I've seen recently. By a mile. I just Man- is out now, though, to be fair. D- well, it doesn't matter who they're going to put they're going to bring in Stop. Bernardo Silva, you know. <laughs> Phil Foden's going to play, you know. <laughs> boys on boys on boys. <laughs> Phil Foden's overrated. Seen, sorry, sorry. Have you seen their bench? No, it's no, un- I, unbelievable. Yeah. So there's uh, just out of pure blind loyalty. I think it's going to be United and City will be in there. I think Liverpool are too good not to be in there. And then I saw a tweet today which brought me back to good times last year, which is... 
as some guy said, Christian Pulisic's form towards the end of last season was just because the guy thought it was playoff time. <laughs> as an American. So just out of pure blind loyalty, I'm going to say Christian Pulisic's going to have another blinder and Chelsea Fuck. are going to make it. Fuck. But more realistically, Spurs will get there because Harry Kane and Son are very good footballers. I mean, for me, it's difficult actually looking at this table because Liverpool haven't scored a goal in weeks and are still the top scorers in the league. Well, that's no, that's because there was that seven I, game I, I, I understand that, but at the same time, that's that's still quite impressive. I agree with you. You said Man City the best. I kind of agree. I think they're the least worst. <laughs> um, so I do so I think they will I'm still maintaining that I think they will win the league I think yeah, I think it's going to be tight between them United and Leicester uh, I agree I think they're they're certs um, unless Leicester have their March slump again um, can't wait for and it. god I hope they do um, in terms of the other place you can't rule Villa out. You cannot rule Aston Villa out. It is ridiculous. Their well, turnaround, but so you can't Villa, Villa and Everton both have two games in hand. Um, <laughs> so they do, which I'm assuming one of them has to be against each other. I think that, oh no, it's uh, next week, I think. Yeah. So, you know, in theory, they can't both max the points out from that, but yeah, with with Grealish, they always have The problem a I have is I, kinda, I take Bailey's point that Liverpool are too good to fail. But then also I've watched them for the last week and I've I, decided I, they're dead to me and I think they're they're absolutely no, they're, yeah, they're I I enough. I don't think based on this that they, they I think it's very real possibility that they don't. I mean, and they play Spurs this week. If they lose to Spurs, it's dust. Oh, oh this is great. If this they if great. if Liverpool don't beat Spurs on Thursday night, great. they they can't make top four because they're gonna have to go unbeaten from about February on to the end of the season. Because you do know Mourinho will be up every night this week. Like oh, absolutely. Sleepless nights playing yeah. that game out. I, I, I'm with you, Chris. I don't think Villa can be ruled out of this. I think they, they are can't. a properly good team. <laughs> Speaking of Villa, I don't know if you saw this. El Ghazi scored four goals in five games and then got dropped for Ross Barkley. What a bad day at work that must have been. <laughs> no, the, the guy has to realise he's being dropped for a guy who's on the plane. Ross was... I watched Ross. Ross was muck during the week. Uh, did did plan, you see the Dean Smith incident? Did you see that? Uh, that yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, what, I what, heard what, about what, his comments that are. It, it sounded hilarious. I didn't exactly hear what he said, but uh, he was disagreeing with the rules and then uh, claimed that the referee looked like a turnip. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was what I got out of it. I think there was a few more expletives in there, but yeah, I don't think referees Brilliant. take too kindly to being referred to as vegetables. <laughs> um, I'm sure they've been referred to as worse. Uh, down the bottom end of the table, then. Yes. Um, I, 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 no, I think no. A couple of weeks ago, you will remember when we did kind of half yeah. season type thing. Yeah. Um, no, I don't want to blow me on trumpet. I really don't because you know, like because you keep it quiet because we don't because <laughs> we don't want to see teams fail. But I did say Newcastle, and you were surprised. Um, and I know we have some international listeners of the pod who are big. Newcastle fans, and I'm sorry for that, but they are absolute <laughs> muck, and they are going down, and they are down. They're down right now. There's no way Newcastle United are staying up. Carragher described them as a nothing club this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the ultimate insult, because as Darren refers to every week, football is about making you feel something, and whenever you're described as a nothing football club, that's a like you're dead and buried at that yeah, point. Yeah, that's that's worse than being bad. Yeah, yeah exactly. At least to, being to bad, be, at least to be noticeable. Nothing. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, I, don't, no, I don't know if, well, if you know this is in recent weeks, but in order to reverse the slide of Newcastle's form, <laughs> Steve Bruce has reverted to Andy Carroll. Um, and this has been great for me as a big West Ham fan. Like, I actually love Andy Carroll. I think he's you know been hard done by in his career, but like, they're, they're just, they're, they're awful. And I know they had COVID. And I know Lascelles and St. Maximan had COVID really badly. But I mean, yeah, they, there's no way they're up. So no for, um, way. If you look at their table, they're 16th at the moment. They're on 19 points, which is seven clear of, of Fulham and 18th, although Fulham do have a game in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is still a bit of a gap there. Bailey, what do you think? I've liked, them, I've liked what I've seen of Fulham lately. Yeah. They're the only... I know, but... I, Zambu. Oh, yeah, yes, I agree. <laughs> Ruben's also back, you know. I'm liking the look of what I've seen of Fulham. I think Sheffield and West Brom are definitely down. There's no doubt about it. Out of those three, and because I said those three would go down and stay down, I, I think Fulham are the only ones that could possibly break out of it. New, Newcastle are just, yeah, it's tough to watch. They really do. They need St. Maximum back, just a, something a bit different. So the, the guy's just a real X factor. So he is. Get so, him back in the team and this could change. So we're looking at between Fulham, Brighton and Newcastle. Chris, you think Newcastle, Bailey? Well, yes. But also, <laughs> if, if you do, if you look at the table and you see the games one column, mm-hmm. um, so we've got Fulham two, West Brom two, Sheffield United one, and then Brighton, a grand total of three matches won this season. <laughs> uh, and Potter still has his job. So there we are. But one was against Bielsa, so that counts double. Well, indeed, yeah. <laughs> On the worst pitch ever. Yeah. That actually segues quite nicely into, did you hear the Leeds story this week? I, I haven't heard this. Really, <coughs> you've got this. it, right? So Leeds, Fantastic story. Leeds have purchased turf from Big Tottenham the because, they, because they got such a slagging last week. Yeah. They've they've bought turf from Spurs. What what a transfer window this is turning out to be. <laughs> so it is. I, I didn't realise this was one of the things you could buy in a transfer window, but there's a report in The Athletic this week that Leeds have bought turf from Spurs who were using it for the NFL part of their stadium because obviously the NFL isn't coming to London this year at all. So it's reported to have cost Leeds around £300,000. And Leeds said in a statement, Following the effects of recent weather in the region, Leeds United are re-turfing Elland Road with a hybrid pitch, which will be installed ahead of our Premier League game with Everton on the 3rd of February. Plans are already in place to uh, work with the construction team on a complete pitch reconstruction, which will include a brand new state-of-the-art drainage system. And work on this will commence in May. My love, issue, love the window. My May? issue with this is... How can you be allowed in the Premier League without a state-of-the-art drainage system? Like, I know from, from my time in the Amateur League, okay, the level, the level that the team that I played on was at, they could not go any higher because there were kind of boxes that you had to tick to go uh-huh. to the league above. Even if you were to win the league that you were in, you can't go up because your pitch had to be fenced around the outside to separate fans and players, it had to have a separate walkway for the players to get in and out of the change room separate to the fans. You had to own your own pitch. These boxes had to be ticked. Why are mm. they not the same boxes that have to be ticked at the Premier League? Because Leeds United have spent 16 years floundering. Uh, that they've just never they've just never thought about, oh, you know, it's sure it's just the same as it was in 2004. Um, <laughs> we're Leeds United, you know, they'll accept us as we are. So I don't yeah, think that should have been allowed. No, this was a team that was destined not to come up, but luckily did because of COVID. 
<laughs> anyway, um, uh, in the mud this week, Billy. Uh, in the mud, we're we're going over to La Liga this week. It's it's not been ideal for the Scottish Premiership in the sun this week. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> cheers, for that, Chris. Uh, so. First, just to uh, uh, we're going to look at Real Madrid just quickly and their oh, yes. uh, Luka Jovic, one of my favourite strikers <laughs> yeah. in the world for just how cold blooded he is when he scored. Uh, so last season for Real Madrid, he scored two goals in all competitions <laughs> after signing for sixty-two million pounds. So for all involved, they thought it'd be best for him to go back out and a quick loan to Frankfurt. Um, well done to him because he's had 78 minutes of game time since returning and has scored three goals. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is Frankfurt have mugged them right off there. With that, oh, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> so it is. I, I, it's funny, I don't, this could be part of that Bundesliga tax where things are just easier in that league. Mm. I was uh, having Haller up front. I, I seem to remember <laughs> Exactly. They calmed everyone. Absolutely. <laughs> And then just sticking with Real Madrid quickly and to another potential loan move. Uh, Martin Odegaard is uh, possibly on his way to Arsenal. And as we all know, with uh, modern day transfers, they can have hilarious stories with like fans tracking flights and stuff. Uh, Arsenal fans have gone one step further to get their man and have found uh, Martin's father's phone number. <laughs> And are starting to text him messages uh, with one with one saying, "Get the kid the Arsenal, best place for youngsters to progress. We'll we'll love him here." Will they though? Yeah, that's not really an honest pitch. It's we'll love him until the day we turn against him, and then we will turn hard against him. Yeah, exactly. Someone else like they need to give us his phone number to just go look at what happened to Ozil. They mm-hmm. love them, and yes. then that can change. Yes. So I can. And then just finally, the, the main in the mud is over to Barcelona, who over the past decade have gone from Champions League winners to a team decent enough to reach the quarterfinals and then get embarrassed by a proper side. This week, Barca have asked Goldman Sachs, Allianz, Prudential and a few other lenders to delay outstanding payments so the club can avoid insolvency. Barcelona are said to have a negative working capital of 600 million euros and imminent debt of 420 million euros. Now, you don't really need a business degree here to go, this isn't fantastic. (laughs) Uh, This report uh, describes the club's debt situation as runaway due to it being allowed to spiral out of control and a few fans are concerned. Uh, It also says that the debt is distributed between 480 million euros being owed in the long term and the 420 in the short term, meaning total debt in a region of 900 million euros. Wow. Uh, the club uh, last season was able to agree a pay cut with certain players and that saved around 170 million euro in payments. But these are going to have to be paid back over the next four seasons at about 45 million euro a year. <laughs> that doesn't really help. <laughs> And further, the club's budget for this season was kind of based on the fact that there would be 25% of stadium capacity allowed, and currently there's been zero. <laughs> so uh, the club's accounts uh, showing their debt showed that it doubled last season, all due to COVID. Uh, so because it's all due to the wage bills, I wanted to kind of go through a few of the transfers of Barcelona over oh, the past yes. decade. Please you know, just to see. Just Please to see do. how we've ended up in this mess. So there's been a few good ones. So you have Neymar in there for £80 million. Worked out quite all right. Bit of profit there. And then uh, 
You have also Luis Suarez, 73 million. You know, you win a Champions League with them too. All yeah. looks kind of rosy. And yeah. then we go to Arda Turan at 30 million. Didn't play. Andre Gomez at 33 million. The guy's currently at Everton. Paco Alcelser, 27 million. No longer at Barcelona. Look at Dean, 15 million at Everton. Look at Dean? See a Barcelona. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Right. <laughs> and then we have the unbelievable summer, the year Neymar went, and there's a bit of cash flow around. <laughs> Felipe Coutinho at 130 million pounds. <laughs> well, hey. Just on a side note on that, I believe he's getting close to 100 appearances for Barcelona. Uh, and on that day, they will have to transfer Liverpool another 10 million. Oh, oh really? Honestly, if your manager, don't play him just for that. Like, <laughs> this club's about to go bankrupt because of this. Uh, same summer, they also signed Dembele, a professional hospital patient, for 120 million. <laughs> and a signing that summer I completely forgot about. Paulinho? Yes. Uh, I think we'll... Yeah. Paulinho Went back signed. to China the year after. Yeah, but he signed from China for £36 yes. million. Yes, apparently did quite well. Uh, and also signed uh, Nelson Semedo oh, in that summer for dear. £30 million. Pounds. He's this another is... right-back that Chris has called the worst in the league at some point this season. The list even gets like, honestly better. Like It's hilarious looking at it. Malcolm from Bordeaux, £36 Malcolm? Million. Malcolm? He's in Russia currently, isn't he? <laughs> Something like that. He got a drone to give him an award, didn't he? That Malcolm. Yeah, yeah, it was that Man oh, of the yeah. Match award, and like back in April, they also signed in that window Longley from Sevilla for thirty-two oh, million. Uh, Arthur, Arthur from Gremio signed for twenty-seven million pounds, and then would end up going to Juventus in a deal for Pjanic, which made no sense to me. It was players playing the same position. It was, uh, they had to balance the books. At that point, they were struggling at financially. At that yeah, that so balance the books they, they had to send him to Juventus for a certain figure, and they sent Pjanic back to them, and it didn't matter what the transfer fees were, they just needed Pjanic to be like 10 million less than Arthur, so it's like, <laughs> it was a whole accountancy thing. Almost like some crack the way it worked out, because then the same window that this all happened in with Pjanic, they also signed Griezmann for £108 million, yes. and also Frankie de Jong for yeah, he's 77 okay. He's alright, he's a good player, but yeah. Yeah. it's a bit random. And then the signing to top a lot, and for this alone Barcelona should fold, is Martin Braithwaite. Sixteen million yes, in that, that, it, yes. that emergency signing they were allowed because we're Barcelona, we're struggling with injuries. La Liga, please help. Do you think Barcelona, the directors and the, the sort of finance team, do you reckon they're taking that thing I've said to you before about Bailey, where like, you know, if you owe the bank a million pounds, the bank owns you. But if you owe the bank a hundred million pounds, you own the bank. It's it's pure ego with Barcelona complete ego Absolutely. because they, they are 100% thinking that way of we're Barcelona, we've got Messi on the pitch, we'll be alright but uh, very much that La Liga is very close to having the Scottish football problem of 10 years ago where you have a two horse race and one of the horses gets shot midway <laughs> so we'll, we'll keep tabs on this and see what happens. Yeah, long live Atletico Madrid. Uh, just before we go we, we do have to mention the fact that Mesut Ozil has left Arsenal um, and now there are some stories that we might mention next week when we have more time. But the biggest question for everyone right now that everyone's thinking is, what happens to Gunasaurus? <laughs> yeah. um, what's going to happen to him? Who's, who's running paying Ars- the wage? Who's running Arsenal's Twitter? 
Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, the, the mm. you know the, these questions aren't resolved. So, mm. yeah, we will have to pick that up. Actually, I think Will, William's a prime candidate after his performance on oh, Saturday. Absolutely. But but we'll see what happens. He's he's the current overpriced, overpaid player at Arsenal. I'd love to see some bloke like sweating bullets in the Gunnersaurus thing suit in <laughs> Turkey. <laughs> just in that heat like 40 degrees that thing's going to be thick that costume oh yeah if Ozil had any crack about him he would have brought him on the plane with him <laughs> got the magazines beside each other yeah yeah <laughs> mailed him back to Arsenal bit by bit um <laughs> yeah there you go Liverpool start losing things get dark um boys I think that pretty much brings us to the end of today um Football, unfortunately, will still go on. Bailey, you, you will just, we'll just have to get through it. Oh dear, there's more. I'm there. forever blowing bubbles. <laughs> oh, right. he, he's definitely being muted. Yeah. Thank you both. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs>